Lord, as we gather here today, none of us knows the details of the future tomorrow with any kind of absolute certainty. Lord, many of us find that the uncertainty of our future, the uncertainty of a world where there is so much danger, there are so many potential areas of turmoil and harm, so many things, Lord, that cause us to be so afraid. We pray that you might minister to us today, that we might capture a glimpse of your beauty, of the greatness of who you are, and of the greatness of your promises that you've given to us in the gospel through Jesus Christ. And toward that end, we pray, Lord, that your spirit might take your word and use it in our lives to bring your glory. We pray in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. This past Wednesday, Joyce and I made our way back to the island here, driving from West Virginia. And while driving, my heart was overcome and overwhelmed by fear. Several minutes after we crossed the George Washington Bridge, and maybe you've made that route before as you make your way across the Cross Bronx Expressway on this particular day, Wednesday, we came early enough that the traffic was not so much of an issue, so we're making our way through there, which is a great blessing. We're driving under clear and sunny skies, and therefore I was wearing those little clip-on sunglasses that I have attached to my regular eyeglasses. And the next thing I know, we drive under this building, and we are enveloped in complete darkness. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see the truck in front of me that I had been following. I couldn't see anything. Of course, it didn't help that I had my sunglasses on. Duh. So, I didn't have the kind that the sports people wear, what they just flip up. These are clip-ons, so you have to literally expand them out and take them off. That takes two hands. So I'm driving, and I'm not even explaining to Joyce, it happened so quickly, what's going on. So I'm trying with one hand on the wheel, one hand on the glasses, trying to remove these things. I got them halfway off, and next thing you know, I pull my glasses down my nose, and all of a sudden, there's a lot more light, but I can't see anything because it's all fuzzy. I can't see anything. And I am just so panicked. I'm, I'm thinking the truck all of a sudden is going to break, and I'm going to go right in that truck and not even see it. I mean, I'm just, the fear is welling up in me. I haven't been that afraid in I don't know how long. Well, if you're wondering how it turned out, I eventually got that sunglass off, the glasses got back up my nose, and everything was fine. We got out from that in the building, and away we go. But my adrenaline level was so high, and my fear, the feelings of fear were so strong at that moment, it really freaked me out. Now, as I've thought about that, I realized not being able to see whether I was going and driving because of darkness, enveloped me in this great fear. And in a sense, associated with that was sort of losing control of the situation I was in really caused me to be extremely frightened. I wonder, have you encountered fear recently in your life? It comes to us in so many different ways. Perhaps you're a person that would say, well, if you're going to really 
be honest, I would have to admit that I, I fear being unloved at some point in my life. I fear being alone. I fear losing my boyfriend or girlfriend or my spouse. Or even sadder, I, lo- I fear losing my figure, losing my hair, losing my mind, losing my job, losing my health. I fear perhaps, maybe you might be saying, I fear being hurt by someone you care about deeply. Or you fear how you will die as a a progressively debilitating disease. Or cancer. Or Alzheimer's disease. Or being alone. Or being penniless. Or whatever it is. Or maybe you're even saying, I fear what happens after death. If we start listing all the things that we're afraid of, we could be here for a couple hours, couldn't we? The list seems endless. Some people are afraid of heights, paper cuts, suffocation, mice, other rodents, snakes, germs, flying, as it happened the other day, fear of the dark. That one freaked me out, especially when I'm driving. Bridges, terrorism, drowning, dentists, crowds, speaking in the front of other people. You name it. There are many fears that grip our hearts. And I want you to know it is not coincidental or accidental that the most frequently found admonition and command in Scripture is this. Don't be afraid. Fear not. It's found over 300 times in the pages of God's Word. From that, I extract this understanding. God has spoken to us and to our fears. God is a God who speaks to people who are often afraid. For every situation we find ourselves feeling afraid, there are numerous biblical promises and principles to help us turn our fears into confidence in God. And fear can be faced head on with faith in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us to look at Psalm 27 today and in looking at this psalm try to find some answers to several questions regarding fear. Psalm 27, let's I'll read it here, follow along if you would. Psalm 27 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war arise against me. In spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in His temple. For in the day of trouble He will conceal me in His tabernacle, in the secret place of His tent He will hide me, He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Be gracious to me and answer me. When you did say, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me or, nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for, my, for false witnesses have arisen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have, dis, I would have despised, despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and, ta- take, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. We're going to just have a, a very uh, brief review and survey through this text. I want to answer four questions, though, this morning as we examine Psalm 27. The first is this. What do our fears tell us? Now, we know that David authored Psalm 27, but we don't know all the specifics about the setting of this psalm, the actual situation he was facing as he alluded to the issues that caused him fear. We look at verses 6, 11, and 12, and it indicates that he was facing a number of enemies, adversaries, he calls them foes, who were threatening to injure or harm him. Verse 12. And obviously he could not trust these people. They had lied to him. And it's clear that he was referring to the period. It's not clear whether he was referring to the period of his life in which he was fleeing from the king at that time was King Saul, who had purposed in his mind, his intent was to kill David. It wasn't clear if David was referring to the time in which as an adult, years later, that he had sort of had to flee himself again, not from a king that was out to kill him, fleeing from his own son, Absalom, who was determined also to establish a rival kingdom, uh, different and in competition to his own father's kingdom. Even though he was a brave military leader, he served as the king of Israel, David had moments in his life a number and a fair share of moments in his life of dread and fear. It's clear from reading the psalm that God had taught him much at those times of being afraid. And that's what I want us to think about this morning for just a few moments. What do we learn and what do our fears tell us? Although David poses the questions there in verse 1, I think rhetorically, I don't think he's actually trying to fully answer those questions. Uh, uh, he says, uh, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I dread? It is clear that I think David had given some thought about his fears and what it was causing him to be afraid. Ed Welch has written a book called Running Scared, and he points out that there is great benefit to listening to our fears. He compares it to listening to background noise. Sometimes when you just sit still for a moment and you start listening to what's really going on in the background, which we haven't noticed before, 
you realize there is noise out there. I just have not been tuning into it. Like, let's just take a moment here and just listen to the background noise. I'm hearing some fans. A couple of clearing of throats and a sneeze or sniffle, maybe. I was waiting for some lawnmower, but I guess it's too nice. Uh, the weather is not conducive to that. But there's also all sorts of noise around us we don't really focus in on. It's in the background usually. Well, the same is true with our fears. That if we would take a time to listen carefully, we find that there is an underlying message in our fears. By reflecting upon the things that we fear, we soon learn, we soon learn that our hearts are, are what our hearts are really truly caring about. What it is that our hearts really love. What is it that we really cherish and want to hold on to sometimes? And if you're looking at your notes, one of the things that we learn and the messages that we find in listening to our fears is it reveals that we are vulnerable. We are vulnerable. As created beings, we are dependent upon God. And certainly David realized that. Even though he was a a valiant warrior, he knew there were real dangers in this world. There's real harm that can come to you, and there can easily be the loss of life. And we also realize that we only have limited control over the situations we face. David faced enemies that threatened him with violence and possible death. And the bottom line is that there are real dangers in our world and all of us are needy. All of us are dependent by design. So when we hear have fears welling up in us, that's a reminder that we ought to ponder we are vulnerable. All of us are. Secondly, another message our fears communicate is that there's a strong connection between what we fear and what we think we need. You say, what are you talking about? Well, if we need comfort, then we fear physical pain. If we need approval, we will definitely fear criticism. If we need love, we would fear rejection. And if we need admiration for our attractiveness and for our looks, we fear getting fat or overweight or having wrinkles or whatever it is. Listening to our fears about losing or missing out on the things that we think we need most reveals what we really are trusting in, what we are relying on to give us security. And by noting carefully our fears, we often learn that we love or we sense that we need other things or other people more than God. So in reflecting upon his vulnerability, David may have been tempted to rely upon his own military training at times, his own ability to outsmart his enemies, uh, his ability to uh, create some superior strategy that would uh, somehow outmaneuver his enemies and his planning. But by reflecting upon his fears, David realized ultimately that his heart recognized he had a deep need for God. He was not in absolute control over his life. There were many factors and many areas in which he was vulnerable. And he became obviously aware that God had delivered him in the past. That's what the first two verses were celebrating. God had met him at that point of his vulnerability and he had shown him mercy and protected him, and delivered him, 
and been his salvation. After many experiences of facing fearful situations, which we understand, like, for example, David had to face many lions or bears when he was defending those sheep in his fold as a shepherd early on in life. He also had to go against battle against the giant warrior, Goliath. He had to dodge spears. He led the army into battle. He had a number of situations that God had seen him through in facing his fears. It's clear that David's heart had been taught during those incidences. His heart had been taught to be confident, not in his control of a situation, but confident in God, in God who is in control, the God who reigns over everything and rules over all events in the world. I wonder, what are your fears saying about what you think you need in your life this morning? What are your fears telling you about what you really are trusting in? Well, by carefully listening to our fears, we are able to expose oftentimes lies that we have bought into. And if we fear death, for example, our hearts have been duped into believing that our security is in this life. If we fear rejection, again, it's likely we bought into the lie that our worth comes from other people and what they think of us. If we fear poverty, we are probably assuming that God will not take care of us. If we fear suffering, it may be that we believe we won't be able to bear it. Of whom or of what are you afraid? I was afraid of darkness and losing control. And I still am. (laughs) If it ever happens again, I'm sure I'll respond similarly. But what do you dread? What triggers fear in your heart? What do those fears say about what you value or what or whom are you trusting? Well, I think, again, David has thought long and hard about some of these issues about fear, and it serves us well to do the same. Secondly, I want us to answer the question, what are some ways to do battle against our fears? What are some ways to do battle against them? As you know, when fear comes over us, it paralyzes us. It, it causes us oftentimes to become immobilized. We feel like we can't move, don't know what to do. we sort of stunned there. And it sidelines us often. We find ourselves not able to move forward. We just sort of get camped there. We don't want to really tackle something or move toward those things that cause us fear. And you'll notice that David's confidence, verse 3, his confidence in God lessened the grip of fear that held his heart. And notice in verse 4, one of the key understandings of how that was broken, that kind of uh, 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 grip of fear that had upon his heart, notice how it took place. It was David's desire to pursue God by spending time getting to know Him in humble, heartfelt worship. Look at verse 4. One thing I have asked the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the delightfulness of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. Reflecting upon the delightfulness of God. What a great pursuit for those of us who find ourselves afraid. Pursuing Moments of contemplating 
reflecting, rehearsing in our minds the delightfulness of God. How wonderful is God in His high and holy place. As we sang this morning, He is mighty to save. What a great way to fill our minds and to reflect on the glory of God and the greatness of who He is. And so David sought to know God more intimately. That doesn't happen automatically, my friends. Oftentimes our fears cause us to, again, become immobilized. And David realizes rather than become immobilized, I need to move toward God. I need to reach out to Him. I need to think about Him. I need to ponder Him and His greatness and His person and His promises. David became more and more confident that God was, verse 13, good. That was one of the things that he began to meditate upon, having realized the delightfulness of God. He realized the goodness of God. He'd seen it again and again and again. He knew it was true. Verse 5, he talks about the power of God that he was reminded of. And also verse 10, he spoke of the faithfulness of God. Though my mother and father may forsake me, God, you will take me up. You are faithful. I've learned, as we all know, that muscles are not developed when we're reclining in a lounge chair. They talk about couch potatoes. Well, uh, that is something that as you turn 50, whether you like it or not, even though you stay active, you still can become a person whose muscles are becoming flabbier all the time. The fact is that just like in the physical realm, muscles must be worked out and developed. The same is true in our spiritual realm. That if we're going to have confidence in God to deal with our fears, we need to grow. And it's not going to happen automatically by just sitting back and doing nothing. We must pursue God. We must pursue an accurate understanding about God, a personal knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ reveals the Father to us. It is the Holy Spirit who has revealed God to us in the pages of Scripture. And it's the God who is truly delightful in all that He is. That is what we must fill our minds and our hearts with as we pursue knowing Him and talking to Him and communicating with Him and bringing our fears to Him. Fears lose their intimidation factor the more we are impressed by God. And assured of his resources, assured of his wisdom, assured of his plans, his provision, and his promises. I came across this quote this last week I thought was quite helpful. Nancy Lee DeMoss made the following observation. Where there is fear, faith is lacking. Where there is faith, fear will evaporate. That's helpful. That's true. And one of the most powerful antidotes to fear is faith in God. So I'm wondering, some of us who are here today, we say, well, believe me, my fears are pretty strong and my faith obviously is fairly weak. What can we do about it? Well, let me give you a couple of practical suggestions to strengthen our confidence in God. These are just very brief and very simple and there are many others we could offer, but I would make a couple of suggestions. Number one is I would prepare your heart and our minds to participate wholeheartedly in consistently being involved in corporate worship with the people of God. That is, that we would take the time to prepare our hearts, 
that is, get a good night's sleep the day before, the night before. Think about what it is that you'd like to say to God during your time of worship. Read the Scriptures so that you become aware and your heart's yearning to be, bring something to God to praise Him with. And make that the highlight of your week. To anticipate, this is the thing I'm really longing for. I need this and I want to be a part of this. That's what David said. I want to be in the temple. I want to be in the tabernacle. I want to be in the house of God. Psalm 5, verse 7 says, David wrote, As for me, by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house at your holy temple. I will bow in reverence for you. Having that kind of longing and anticipation and preparation of my heart and mind to participate in corporate worship, I think is absolutely key. The fact that you're here, good sign that you're perhaps taking advantage of that. Sometimes we don't come very well prepared, however. Another one would be to share your struggles with your fear about some particular fear. Share them in your growth group. Acknowledge them. Share it with someone else so that they can, with your permission, and you're welcoming that to happen when you share it, is to say maybe they can bring to you encouraging words of Scripture, promises that God can help you become aware of to help you fight that battle for faith. I don't want to give in to this fear. I want to be stronger in my faith. Added to that, memorize Scripture. It's not easy. But that's the point. Just like working out in a gym is not easy, so memorizing Scripture is not easy. It just takes persistence and effort on our part to go over the same verses of Scripture again and again and again and to help us remember who God is in His character. The other week we memorized 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says, God is faithful. What a great reminder when we feel like we're struggling with temptation or fear or whatever it is. Another thing, there are many other things I could recommend, but I want to also just make note of this particular book. It's a very uh, small paperback book. It's on our book table ministry there called Lion Slayer. Lion Slayer, using the right truth to slay the enemy. The whole point of this book is to address various areas of struggle in in, including your fears but any other struggles you may have in your spiritual walk and learning to claim the promises of the word of god and using them in ways to try to defeat the enemy and his hold upon your heart and life in different areas you may be struggling in Uh, that may be a helpful thing for you to actually start having a strategy on addressing these things rather than sit back and think they're somehow going to fade away or evaporate and that's what indeed uh so often uh, David did in the psalmist you can read about the psalmist he says the Lord is for me Psalm 118 verse 6 I will not fear what can man do to me what a great verse to have under our belt and to meditate on and also Philippians 4 verse 5 you say well how can I be joyful when there's so many fears and so many things that could be wrong in the world after he says rejoice in the Lord Paul says in Philippians 4 5 the Lord is near the Lord is near <laughs> And so these are the kind of things I think might help us in our struggle. Do battle. All right, number three, third question. What should we expect in the struggle against fear? Notice in verses 7 and following, there's a, a, a significant break in a, a, a different type of content beginning in verse 7, which indicates that David's fight against fear was not overcome. He starts off the psalm by saying, oh, I don't have anything to be fearful of, and God has helped me, and oh, what great. But then you get to verse 7. He's struggling again. He's acknowledging that there's fear that he's facing. There were times that God helped him push back the intimidating fears 
in his heart and life, but David did not, and we should not, expect all our fears to automatically be vanquished. They're not just going to go away automatically, once for all. David had times of confident faith, it's true, verses 1 to 3, when, when his confidence in God was strong in the face of real danger. He was there. God helped him. But there are times when he struggled in the spiritual battle against fear. Look at verses 7 through 11 and read his kind of er, earnest prayer that he, he offers to God. You sense that there's an ongoing difficulty. He's saying, Lord, don't abandon me here. Help me out here. Listen to me. I'm calling out to you. May I suggest to you that all of us are going to have moments when our commitment will waver. Moments when our sense of security and our trust in God's love and His reliability, it's going to falter. Those moments come. I think of Peter. Peter said, Lord, I'll never forsake you. Never. And he, I, he meant that. I'm sure he did. And Jesus says, uh, you don't know what's coming down the road here, but I know in a very short amount of time, before the sun rises, you're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, he did. In the Why? Because fear got hold of him. He was fearful of the fact that he was being now linked together with Christ who was on the verge of being crucified. And so our fear will often be revealed to be conditional. Our faith will often be revealed to be conditional or limited or incomplete. It will be obvious that we are of weakness and we have areas that we still need to grow in. There will be moments like Jacob in Genesis chapter 32 in which he was terrified and we too will have moments when we're terrified and faith will, I mean, our fears will rise up within our hearts. He was fearful of meeting his brother. You say, oh, what could be so bad about that? Meeting your brother? He lived with him all those years. Yeah, it was the brother that he had gypped out of his birthright and he had fled years and years ago and went as far away as he possibly could so he wouldn't have to run into him again. And now he knows he's going to meet him. And so fear is welling up in him. How did he deal with that? What did he do when he was afraid? Maybe you can identify with this. He wrestled against an angel. In a sense, he wrestled against God. And in his wrestling, what's he trying to do? He was bargaining with God, saying, God, don't let go of me. I need you to do something for me here. I need you to give me some assurance. I need you to... He's bargaining with God in his fears. Rather than trusting God to change his brother's heart or to protect him, Jacob is bargaining with God. And here in Psalm 27, David admitted in verse 11, Teach me your ways, O Lord. i got a lot to learn. There are many things that I'm going to still need to learn. Even though I've seen you help me with my fears in the past, I need help and I have much to learn. Knowing that other people struggle like he did to be confident in God, notice that David also is trying now to admonish the people around in verse 14. He ends the psalm by realizing, listen, folks, we all got to learn this, and I want to help you learn it along with me. We've got to be people who are waiting for God and be strong while we're waiting. Let our heart take courage and wait for the Lord. I wonder if you can remember, some of you it's been a few years, just like it has been for me, you can remember the time when you just received your, drive, your learner's permit. You passed the test. And now you're allowed to drive on the real roads. Remember that? 
how excited you were. Let's go, Mom. Let's go, Dad. Whoever you're going to get in that car in the passenger seat who was a licensed driver, let's go out there. So you go out, and next thing you know what? Everything's okay until you reach that crisis moment where you're in a panic because you've got to make a turn quickly. You can't figure out whether the car is coming. Are they coming too fast, too slow? Can you have time? All those kind of, what happens? This guy's coming at me. The road is going to bear. Which way am I going? And next thing you know, you're gripped with fear. But what helped you get through that? Did you just say, I give up, I'll never drive again? Well, there have been people who have done that. But most of us have heard words of encouragement, words of counsel, put your foot on the brake, put your blinker on, you know, whatever, uh, slow down, go this way, and we navigated through that. And therefore, we kept learning and kept driving, and we've learned to face those fears better in the future. And so I think it's similarly for us. God will put us into situations where we panic so that we'll draw close to Him, so that we'll learn to listen to Him, learn to to seek Him for help, and then He will help us learn His ways. To what? Verse 14, to wait on the Lord. That means look expectantly for God to be at work in this situation. It doesn't mean to sit back and become passive. It means look expectantly on your tiptoes. I'm looking, I'm waiting to see what God's going to do. That's what God calls us to learn in terms of how we're dealing with our struggle with fear. Let me find one final comment I want to make here, verse on number four. Final question. What is God's goal for those who face fear? Well, if you look at verses one to three of Psalm 27, David affirms that he got to the point of a process, I think, that took a while God had led him into a situation where he had learned to rely upon the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? He learned that it wasn't his own resources. It's not his own ingenuity that he's relying on. He's relying upon God. And I believe God's goal for David and for all of God's people is that we might fight fear with fear. Say, what? Yeah, fight fear with fear. What are you talking about? Well, look at um, Luke 12, verse 4, contains a very interesting uh, statement by Jesus. Rather than being afraid of so many things that we have no control over, or the things that we think we need or must have, we must learn to fear the Lord, which will lessen the grip of fear upon our hearts in other areas. Jesus urged his followers not to be afraid of those who kill the body. You think there's real danger in that? <laughs> yes. He's talking about killing here. Those who kill the body, but to fear or be in awe or be uh, have a heart that's full of reverence for the one who had the power to destroy a person in hell. Proverbs 29:25 says, "The fear of man brings a snare, brings a trap." And some people refuse to confess their sins to other people, to other Christians, and to find freedom from the sins they're struggling with. Why? Because fear keeps them in the grip of saying, I wonder what they're going to think of me. Some parents refuse to discipline their children properly. Why? Because they are desperate for their children's approval. Some people seek to impress other people with their status and their stuff. And others are trying to seek approval by other people by making an attempt to be accepted by everyone, even if it means lowering our standards and compromising 
what we know to be right and wrong. And some of us seek approval by being productive, the type A personality. I'm not just going to do a, a few reasonable things to do. I'm going to do the impossible today, and I'm going to cram my schedule so full with so many things I'll accomplish that I will obviously make an impression upon those around us as being I'm a competent, productive person who oftentimes want to have control over getting things done their way. Whatever it is, notice that David found security where? In the presence and promises of God. Verse 1. David experienced the principle of Proverbs 14.26. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence that I can face the future if my what? If I'm fearing the Lord, if I'm in in a sense of awe of Him, knowing that He's sovereign, knowing He's in control, knowing that He's good, knowing that He is a person who is delightful in all of His being. The Apostle John explained it this way. In his first epistle, chapter 4, he writes, There is no fear in love. Perfect fear, sorry, perfect love casts out fear. Our fears oftentimes serve to remind us that we are vulnerable, we're limited, we're dependent creatures, and we're called to live in reliance upon God. And when we're afraid, we're called to repent and turn to Christ. And to admit and reflect on the fact that Christ on that cross provided to us assurance and guarantees that will not be broken. That we can find security in Christ and what He's done for us. I challenge you, go back and read sometime the end of Romans 8 and ask yourself, is there anything that he's missed here under the areas of concern that will separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is no. Every scenario is covered because of Christ and what he's done on the cross. And so therefore, we need to remember his love, remember his goodness, remember his reassuring words. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He said that as he was about to go to the cross, knowing full well that that's what we need to hear again and again and again. And so I'll conclude today by reminding you of one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 41.10. Another of those 300 repeated commands. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right arm. May God give us faith to hang on to such promises and such a delightful God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we as scared little children can come to you with our fears. Many of us, Lord, have memories of our children who have come to us in the middle of the night, scared of the dark, scared of imaginary things under the bed or in the closet. Many of us, Lord, even as as children ourselves, we remember being petrified and scared and terrified of things that were imaginary, not even real. But Lord, we know that there are real threats, threats and dangers in our world. Not imaginary. We're very much aware this is a dangerous world we live in. There are many areas of 
things that cause us great alarm. Lord, I pray that as we become reminded of our vulnerability, that we might also be reminded of the greatness of You, our God. That You are greater than all things. That You're more powerful than all the other forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That You are the God who is indeed sovereign and supreme over all. That You are good. You are faithful. That although people in our lives who should have been there for us may have forsaken us, Lord, we thank You that You are not going to abandon Your children. And that the promises of Romans 8 are yes and amen in Christ. So Lord, help us in our fears. Help us to listen to what they're telling us about what has captured our hearts instead of You. And I pray, Lord, that You would give us, as we ponder the cross of Christ, hearts that turn to You, looking for our security, looking for our hope, looking for protection, Lord, looking for assurance when we're filled with fear, especially as we look to the future, Lord. Fill us with hope and confidence in You, Your purposes and Your promises, and in Your person that will never change. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen.